Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard It's episode number 58 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man, the world's most legit Eric Roberts related podcast. I'm Doug Tilly and joining me as per usual is King Swinging Dick himself, Mr. Liam O'Donnell. How are things, Liam? They are hectic, but good. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hectic time of the year. Kids are back in school. Now, your little one, what grade is she in again? (laughs) (laughs) She's in the uh, needs us to live grade. Uh, she, she's, 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 uh, uh, you know, uh, in daycare, she goes to daycare three days a week, Okay, but, but that's, yeah. I mean, why, why stay home with her? Right. <sighs> she doesn't need that kind of connection at this age. Well, not, it's not better that you let us. some stranger do something, whatever. Not all of to us her were born in some sort of socialist paradise like you, you Canadian jag off. So, well, uh, if, if my plans for the rest of this year go through, we'll all be living in that socialist paradise. Yes. <laughs> As soon as the uh, as soon as the working class overthrow their uh, bougie masters of production, don't you think, Liam? Isn't it? I mean, isn't I it about a, time? I, made a Facebook I would say invite for it, but people just won't RSVP. Mm-hmm. Liam, I have a question for you. Yeah. <laughs> Would Birdie have won? <laughs> can we not do this? Yeah, we certainly can. <laughs> uh, but we will all the same. Now, would Birdie have won? <laughs> I. I just think it's unfair. All right, shut up, shut up, shut shut up, shut up, Liam. This episode's guest is a writer, performer, and podcaster. You can find his unique podcast, Black Sun Dispatches, at Cinepunks.com, which, uh, which that sounds very familiar. But also his writing at Synapse. Okay, no talking while I'm doing the intro. (laughs) And his writing at Synapse.co. It's Brendan Foley on the line with us today. How are you doing today, Brendan? Hello, I'm pretty good. Pretty. Brendan. Yeah. Brendan, what's the first time that you remember growing up knowing, like having knowledge about Eric Roberts, the actor? So I'm going to say probably the really boring mainstream answer is The Dark Knight as Maroney. Are you 12 years old, Brendan? <laughs> um, I, I'm actually not that. I was 17 when that came out. Um, okay. All right. So, yeah, that was my first time. That, uh, yeah. Well, here's the thing. To succeed in a Christopher Nolan movie, right, you have to be the kind of actor that can, just with your presence, sort of exude personality because okay. because 90% of what you're going to be saying is exposition. That's true. He is very he is a very exposition-heavy filmmaker. Or at least I would say he was up to this year's Dunkirk, which isn't that – isn't so exposition-heavy. Because there's, there's like just no talking. And, and, and. It's like they filmed it all and they just cut it out. <laughs> But so, and, and so, especially with with Eric Roberts, you have to just kind of sell story beats and character beats, kind of just by your vibe. Mm-hmm. And Eric Roberts has kind of maybe like the weirdest one because he's got that turn like in towards the end where he, rat where he rats out the plan to to Gary Oldman as James Gordon, which is weird because in hindsight, the plan is working when he does. That. Yeah, like they hired the Joker to. 
the Joker's doing everything he said he would. He's blown up the DA. He's outsmarted Batman. He's trashed the, uh, the Gotham City Police. Uh, he's gotten the accountant back. He's, he's done everything he said he was going to do. And Eric Roberts is like, nah, man. No, he's got like some like mob code that says, I, I can't allow this. And you totally buy it because Eric Roberts just shells the shit out of it. And that scene where he goes up to Gordon in the hospital is like, this is madness. It has to end. Like he, it totally works. Why did that? And then Batman breaks his ankle. That no, that this happens after Batman. Mm-hmm. Batman breaks. And then Batman. and then Two Face flips his car over. Right. That Batman breaks his ankle, and then he's like, you know what? I can't side the Joker anymore. That doesn't make any sense. Why, why would that happen? But Liam, re- remember when Bane <laughs> decided to attack all the Occupy Wall Street people? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. Do you think? Do you think? What do you think, <laughs> Liam? What do you think Christopher Nolan's politics are? Um, I'm mm-hmm. unsure. I mean, sure. He, I just want you to speculate wildly he, about. He it. strikes me as a. Uh, you know, he strikes me as a kind of European version of liberal, you know? Right. But he probably thinks, like you do, Liam, that the free market can pretty much take care of it all. We just let it run free. Hey, just because I got that fine. free market tattoo when I was 17 doesn't mean you can still hold it against me. Well, I can't. I covered it I over with a face of Bernie. Oh, good. You know, he would have won probably, don't you think? What is this podcast? <laughs> this is Eric Roberts is the fucking man episode number 58 where you know it's the number one podcast on earth about the actor Eric Roberts Brandon what's your favorite Eric Roberts movie favorite Eric Roberts movie uh the episode of Entourage where he takes from the Joshua Tree doesn't count does it now I that's an interesting thing we've yet to cover that Wait, episode of Entourage <laughs> no no in fact in retrospect that would have been a great one for this particular episode uh, uh, actually, but uh, I do have actually an, an, a real answer for this actually uh, okay uh, I don't I don't know if you guys have covered it but there's a seventies movie he, he did called King of, King of the Gypsies King of the Gypsies was covered on Eric Roberts is the fucking man yeah Doug already covered all the good movies. <laughs> we, I, for the long-time listeners of the show know that there used to be another co-host at the very beginning of this podcast existence named Todd Rigney, and we send our love out to Todd. Uh, and uh, Liam came on, and the, the initial concept would be that we would pair a well-known Eric Roberts movie with a lesser-known Eric Roberts project. And by doing that, we basically ran through all of the well-known movies in like the first six or seven episodes. Uh-oh. <laughs> Which meant that Liam has never seen Star 80. Isn't that correct, Liam? I still have never seen. I mean, that's not <laughs> entirely your fault. I should just get on seeing Star 80 on my own because I Who really want to see it. But the fact that you had already covered it, it was like I had such a good reason to do it. And now <laughs> that reason has gone. If we're, yeah. If, if we're doing favorite movies that Eric Roberts is in, I really love Inherent Vice. Mm. Uh, but we're doing best Eric Roberts movies, it's got to be King of the Gypsies, which is a, a really yeah. cool, fascinating, uh, flawed, but really interesting. Uh, I think, it was, just, was it his first movie ever? It was, I think, his first lead okay. performance. He's young, uh, he's and young King of the Gypsies. He's super young in it. He's also, like, the clear lead in it, and yep. he totally carries the movie. Whatever flaws that movie has, he is, is absolutely, uh, you can't take your eyes off of him. And that's the same kind of charisma I think you were referring to in regards to his performance in The Dark Knight. But while we're giving verbal blowjobs to one Mr. Eric Roberts, <laughs> why don't we talk about the latest Eric Roberts news on The Roberts Report? Hey, 
It's the Roberts Report for episode number 58 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. And uh, we're starting with something a little bit different. I should mention, by the way, before we get into the Roberts Report, uh, I mentioned on the most recent episode, episode number 57 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man, that uh, our T-shirts would be available on the website at the time that you were listening to that episode. I was proven false, um, as per usual. I'm, I'm often proven false in life. Uh <laughs> I had a brief uh, medical issue that I had to get through, but by the time you are listening to this, uh, it's ready to go. Uh, it's it's going to be on the site. In fact, one of the people on this call, perhaps my co-host, Mr. Liam O'Donnell, might be uh, receiving a t-shirt in the mail very soon. And in fact, Liam, I'd like for you to tell me when, because I want to get an estimate of how long it'll take to send from my fucking shitty country up here in Canada. <laughs> well, I just think that's funny since when the t-shirts first arrived, you didn't know they uh-huh. were coming. I just mysteriously was like... Give me your address. No reason. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was great. Good job, Liam. <laughs> um, it It is ridiculously expensive to send things from Canada um, and uh, also very inconvenient. So uh, thanks for putting that on my head too, Liam. <laughs> I'm so appreciative for this amazing <laughs> gift that you gave that is literally going to put money in my pocket. Uh, and yet here I am uh, moaning like uh, – like, uh, what, what's something that moans a lot, Liam? Uh, the GOP. Very good. Very political episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. Uh, on a recent episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, we mentioned the upcoming film Frank and Ava, which uh, features Eric Roberts as Harry Cohn. This week, we sadly lost one of the stars of that film, uh, the actor Harry Dean Stanton. In fact, Frank and Ava are, is going to be one of the final films featuring him. He passed away at the ripe old age of 91. Uh, Stanton was one of Hollywood's finest performers. He's actually one of my very favorite actors. I was very sad to hear about his passing. But I thought uh, it would be uh, nice to start our news segment today by reminiscing about our favorite Harry Dean Stanton roles and how appreciative we are that one of his final performances might involve a scene with Eric Roberts himself. Starting with you, our guest, Brendan Foley. Brendan, uh, just just quickly, what is your uh, most memorable or favorite Harry Dean Stanton performance? Ooh, okay. So, number one, just because of the movie. No, not number okay. one. <laughs> I said just just give me just a single one. Oh, damn it, you're going to choose. Uh, uh-huh, I am. Gonna take, that's, that's... I'm going to take Paris, Texas. I'm going to be the dick that, take, that takes that one. Um, People, you can pick the same ones. This is not a competition. I, it's a celebration. I, I feel like podcasts are fun is a winner. Um, that's, that's a good point. <laughs> I'm going to say Paris, Texas um, because – it's a movie in which Harry Dean Stan's face almost acts like a landscape unto itself. And there's a lot of movies just the, the desert of Texas. Um, and Harry Dean Stan's face is, I mean, uh, Vim Vender. I always, say, I, want say, I always want to say Wim. It's Vim Vender's. Vim Vender's. Just milks every crag and line in that man's face for all the power it has. Uh, and it's a breathtaking movie and an incredible performance. Uh, he's got a monologue in that film that is, I think it's like like a five or ten minute long speech, and the and the camera never cuts, and it's riveting. Uh, yeah, so if you have if wherever you have seen Paris, Texas, uh, find the time to go. It, it is a masterpiece, uh, and it is one of his very one of the very few films that he is the star of. Uh, right. It's not it's not Harry Dean Stanton injecting brilliant life in, in, in a supporting role as he did in so so many movies this one is- like the avengers like- remember when he shows up in the avengers yes. but <laughs> alien repo man all, all, all this stuff he you know he was so you gotta stop you gotta stop naming stuff he's so great in all those movies but paris text is his movie full stop 
I think I I strongly recommend uh, Paris, Texas as well. Liam, you are a punk, so I'm going to guess that you enjoy the movie Repo Man. <laughs> I mean, I do enjoy the movie Repo Man, and I'm inclined to say it's my favorite, but that means I have to discount Escape from New York and Alien. That's mm-hmm. really hard. That is that's difficult. Uh, and then if I'm doing it, if I'm doing it based on his performance too, I actually also really like the movie Cockfighter. Uh, oh I yes, really, I love that with Warren Oates. Yeah, I think he's really good in that. So it's hard to say, but I, I guess if we're talking about movies that I uh, that the movie itself impacted me more than just his performance, probably Repo Man is is the top one. Though though Escape from New York is very close. I think I will go with Rebo Man. I know it is a boring choice, but it was the first movie where when I saw him in it, I was like, I need to see him in other things. I need to see everything that this actor can do. And, you know, that's one nice thing, uh, if we can take anything pleasant out of his recent passing, is that he left such a breadth of work that we can explore. And uh, in some ways, Liam and Brendan, he never really dies, as long as we have him on the silver screen. Oh, uh, agree or disagree, Liam? <laughs> Let's just move on at this point. <laughs> what? As per, as per usual, we begin our Roberts Report. What is this podcast? <laughs> as per usual, we start with a deep dive on Eric Roberts' uh, Twitter feed. Recently, he uh, he had a quite a, a mix-up, a very Frasier-esque, uh, 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 wacky mix-up at the airport, Liam. You'll find this interesting. <laughs> he tw- He tweeted, I had two fantastic flights with Lufthansa, September 16th and 17th, but I accidentally took the wrong bag at baggage claim. See DM for details. Thank you. And then an hour later, he tweeted, If you traveled recently, Hector Bruna, I might have your suitcase by mistake. Eric Roberts stealing the suitcases of people (laughs) from baggage claim. Liam, what do you think? Well, what I don't like about this report that you're giving us is there's no resolution. Uh, It's true. I mean, again, I think he must have some sort of strong feeling that Hector Bruna is indeed the owner of this suitcase. Uh, so I'm hoping that they worked it out in a, in a uh, calm and even-handed fashion. I bet Hector Bruna, who might have thought that his suitcase was gone forever, would be very happy to discover that it was actually in the hands of Eric Roberts, the famous actor. Sure, I mean, that's like a story to tell your friends. Like, remember when I didn't have any clothes because I was in whatever... Well, actually, Eric Roberts had all my stuff. Yeah, Eric Roberts had it. And, of course, it would be a good, nice opportunity to spend a little time with the man himself. You know what I would do? Because then I would have Eric Roberts things. Now, of course, I wouldn't snoop through them. I'm not that kind of person. But I could insert maybe a few private notes to Eric Roberts in his luggage that he would then be forced to read once he actually got his luggage back. Do you think he would, though? (laughs) Yes, he would. I think he'd be very interested. All right. Do you like Buffalo, New York, Brendan? Um, no. Well, my wife is from Buffalo, New York. What a horrible thing for you to say. Well, if you do like Buffalo, New York, and plan on spending some time there, uh, (laughs) you can maybe meet Eric Roberts, the actor who is appearing at the Buffalo Comic Con September 30th and October 1st. Uh, You can follow uh, whether he is indeed going to be there over on Twitter, at Buffalo Comic Con, all one word. Eric Roberts, star of uh, Doctor Who. Star 80, of course, and The Dark Knight. You can find him at the Buffalo Comic Con, Buffalo, New York. Liam, will you be traveling to Buffalo, New York for this? I think I'm going to have to skip this one. Liam, on September 13th, Eric Roberts tweeted out, 
a petition from MoveOn.org saying Medicare for all exclamation point. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. So now that makes me think to ask you a question, Liam. Mm-hmm. Do you think Bernie would have won? <laughs> um. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Sure. I think so. I think definitely. Actually, I'm all turned around on the subject. Uh, Brendan, I know that you have extreme right-wing political yes. views, but do you believe that we should all have Medicare? Do you think free health care is in the cards for the United States of America? If you can't pay for your own health care, you should die in the street like a dog. Liam, remember the movie La Cucaracha? Oh, oh sure. I sure do. We, uh, we, we, of course, featured the director of that film, Jack Perez, on a recent episode of Eric Roberts is a Fucking Man. A wonderful, wonderful director and a very, very nice man. And I think, you know, I don't want to take credit for it, but I feel like we're hearing more about that movie now that we've had that discussion. I feel like the world wants to know more about La Cucaracha. And one of the people who are excited about this, uh, this, this growing popularity is Eric Roberts, who on September 14th, he tweeted, One of the greatest things in the movie Crash was real Michael Pena. That's his Twitter name. And look who's here with me. And he uh, he put a link to the La Cucaracha trailer, which you might recall, Liam, actually has a small appearance by Michael Pena in it. A great movie, the La Cucaracha. Wouldn't you agree, Liam? Yeah, I, I'm kind of sad that the best pull he could do for Michael Pena is Crash, but you know, <laughs> it is what it is. You might recall... In fact, we haven't covered it on the show yet, but we will. Eric Roberts was all was actually on a season of the TV show Crash, which also featured Dennis Hopper, though I don't think anyone remembers that show even existed. Well, let me ask you this, man. What percentage of Eric Roberts' movies do you think he remembers being in? Because he's in a lot. Well, I guess we'll find out, Brendan, because in a very short amount of time, a terrifyingly short amount of time, <laughs> we can ask him about all of his projects. Uh, and, of course, uh, as Liam has already stated to me, uh, it's no holds barred. We can ask him about anything, uh, private life, personal life. We can re- we can run the gamut, right? We uh, we are not restricted in the questions we ask Eric Roberts. Because okay. I, I, I I was just like I was scrolling through his IMDb and Wikipedia page in prep for this, and uh-huh. I was just like, wow, he's in a lot of goddamn movies. That's you know, it's almost the enough. Podcast, yeah, it's <laughs> that's the whole reason. I, I, I understand that, but it's one thing to know that, and it's another thing to actually just scroll through it's like god damn he's a lot of music well i mean this is this is news to me i've certainly never scrolled through eric roberts imdb page (laughs) over at allafrica.com there was an article called american actor eric roberts at the guardian promises to help development of nollywood i'm just going to read a little bit of this article the american actor eric anthony roberts has arrived nigeria to help in the promotion of the country's film industry nollywood The 61-year-old actor who was making his first trip to Nigeria was in the Guardian newspapers yesterday where he said, I'm not bringing Hollywood here. Nigerians have to create their own Hollywood. Now, uh, we've talked about uh, Eric appearing in Nollywood productions in the past. He actually traveled to Nigeria to to feature in one of these productions. That is an industry that's been growing in leaps and bounds in recent years, Nigerian film. But I believe that Eric Roberts might be the first Hollywood actor to ever fly to Nigeria to appear in one of these films. He is breaking new ground. Brendan Foley, are you uh, excited about the 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 expansion of Nigerian cinema? And have you ever watched a Nollywood film? Not to my knowledge. Um, what I'm actually really excited for is eventually they're going to make an uplifting story about this. They're going to make an uplifting movie about this story. 
So who do you think they're going to get to play Eric Roberts as kind of like the, as like a, like a, the Lost in Translation-esque film about a jade Hollywood actor who goes mm-hmm. to Nigeria and helps the burgeoning film industry? Who, who do they get to play him? I have an idea. Eric <laughs> Roberts. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> uh, last year, yeah, Eric Roberts appeared in A's comedy drama. It's called A Trip to Jamaica, which we've referred to in the past on this show. And his most recent collaboration, A Soldier's... Story 2, which features Nollywood actress Linda Ejiofor in it. Uh, Eric Roberts in Nollywood. Maybe this is a whole this is whole new ground for him to break. I will say that people often come up to me and say, you know that Eric Roberts, he's in a lot of junky movies. But one of the things that I find so refreshing and exciting about his filmography is that he works on projects that you would never expect uh, uh, an actor of his caliber, literally his caliber, to be in. And, you know, why not? Why not go to fucking Nigeria and launch their industry into the stratosphere with that uh, Eric Roberts name value? I'm very excited about this, Liam. Are you excited? I'm just stoked. I think it's cool. I, I mean, the, the you know, the obviously his more um, well-known films are part of the reason we started this podcast. But the other was you don't keep working the way he has been working unless you're willing to take chances on things. And sure, some of those chances have not been enjoyable for us, but some of them have been True. and really impressive. So the fact that he is, you know, willing to go somewhere where no one else has gone just shows his openness to like work with new people and try new things. And I really respect that. Liam, you don't get to 500 million movies without making a few enemies. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought you were going to say without breaking a few eggs. (laughs) CBS is planning an L.A. Confidential TV series. You might remember the uh, 1997 film L.A. Confidential, uh, adapted from the 1990 novel, uh, directed by Curtis Hansen. The reason I bring this up, Liam, is not because Eric Roberts is being rumored to be in this new TV series. It's that Eric Roberts has already been in an L.A. Confidential TV series. Were you excited when you heard this news, Liam? Wait, he's already... Yeah, let me elaborate. Because I know how confused you get. Back in 2003, there was a, a pilot made for an L.A. Confidential series uh, starring Kiefer Sutherland and Eric Roberts. And in fact, if you do a quick search on the Internet, you might be able to find a copy of that. And I'm certainly going to feature it on this podcast in the future, Liam. And why is that? Blood Oath. You a fan of L.A. Confidential, Brendan? I, I, I love L.A. Confidential. It's a great uh, old school uh, noir film. Uh, especially because it had really early performances by uh, Russell Crowe and Guy Pearce, both of whom were just coming over from. Is Guy Pearce Australian? I believe he's all. Is he from Australia? <laughs> is he from from Australia? Is he from New Zealand? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, 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 it's those two guys when they're really young, like really hungry and, and like really kind of attacking their roles. Yeah, Kevin Spacey back when he was just starting to break out with Seven Angel Suspects. It's Kim Basinger when she was kind of the height of her powers. Uh, it's really, when, you, it's, when you say Kim Basinger's powers, what do you mean by that? It's when she's being used properly in a film. All right, and how is that? How is that being used? Uh, well, she strikes. She always struck me as, in like her other roles. She's kind of vacanty. Mm. I guess I don't want. I don't want to be mean, but she never. She always kind of struck me as being kind. You you, always, you can always kind of see her like reading the lines, right? I like like in My Stepmother is an Alien. Yeah, I don't see. I was I was into the how you got how did this get made episode about that. But I have not seen that film. Please don't uh, promote other podcasts on my podcast. Okay, um, she, she she has a, a kind of a vacant, distant quality. I would say a false quality, mm-hmm. and that's used very very well. Ellie Confidential, when she's playing a, a, a she's playing a hooker who has 
subjugate her own personality to this role she's playing, and it works very well. And I believe she won. Did she win? I think she won an Oscar for that. I think she might have. Liam, have you ever met a hooker with a heart of gold? <laughs> <sighs> Recently added to the ever-expanding Eric Roberts IMDb page <laughs> is 2017's Juvie, directed by George LeVoux, the writer of 1995's gay serial killer film Frisk, and 2009's A Dog Year with Jeff Bridges. You might remember that movie, A Dog Year. I haven't seen it, but I'm going to guess that the dog dies in it. Or is that the one where the dog keeps getting reincarnated? Is that the one with the reincarnated dog, Liam? No, that's a, a dog's purpose. A dog's purpose. Which apparently <laughs> is just to be, I don't know, our fucking helpers or something it's really fucked up dennis quaid was in that one right yes uh yes yeah i think of dennis quaid as being the the poor man's jeff bridges what do you think (laughs) uh yeah no that's fair i mean i don't think he has the charm of jeff bridges but i guess that that's why he makes it for us poor as you rich aristocrat one night in new york city a young teenager steals a gun and sets out to kill his father's mistress the boy's two best friends Try to stop him. That's the uh, the plot of 2017's Juvie. It was partially financed via uh, Indiegogo back in 2015. And the IMDb page actually hasn't been updated in a very long time. But I did find this casting call, which was uh, back in 2015, uh, where they were searching for a voice actor who sounds like Eric Roberts at his current age for Juvie, oh, a feature no. film. So, uh, so you know, that sounds interesting. Uh, there is no recent information available. We may never see Juvie, but if it does come out, Liam, we will watch it. And why is that? This horrible blood oath. Liam, when we encounter Eric Roberts in the flesh, will we tell him to break our blood oath? <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe he will just break yours, and I'll just have to continue uh, solo. <laughs> I mean, you could, but, I mean, you lose a lot of charm if you do that, man. Uh, elaborate. <laughs> uh, we've gone on a little too long in this opening segment. After our first break, it's an episode of Showtime's long-running lesbian drama, The L Word, guest starring Eric Roberts. Uh, and after that, we'll take another break, of course, and return with Wrong Call from 2002. Yes, very uh, eclectic subject matter, but certain things tie them together. We'll talk about The L Word right after this. I would dial the numbers just to listen to your breath And I would stand inside my hell and hold the hand of death This precious ache And you don't know how much I feel Or how much I can take Just to reach you Just to reach you
Six weeks after Dana's death, with everyone still grieving over the loss of their friend, Helena takes over planning Shane and Carmen's upcoming wedding to be held at the Whistler Ski Resort in British Columbia, Canada. Meanwhile, Shane travels to Portland, Oregon, where she has a reunion with her long-estranged father, Gabriel, who has remarried and has a 10-year-old son, where Shane invites him to the wedding at the Whistler Resort. Anyway, I'm just going to stop right there. There's a lot of shit going on because this is the season finale of season three of The L Word, season three, episode number 12, called Left Hand of the Goddess. Now, for those who don't uh, who don't have any deep familiarity with The L Word, and to be honest, I'm one of them, it was a long-running Showtime series uh, starring Jennifer Beals from Flashdance uh, and uh, actually some, some wonderful actors. Uh, and I believe it kind of came... Right in that uh, Queer as Folk period, or maybe immediately afterwards, um, and it was really one of the few programs which uh, delved deep on um, gay life uh, of the early 2000s. Now, whether it did that accurately or not, whether it was more focused on smashing barriers than it was on creating quality uh, drama or realistic drama, who is that? Who, <clears throat> who am I to say? But thankfully, I have guests to say those things. So let's start with our guest. Brendan Foley. Brendan, had you uh, been familiar with the L word before watching this episode? I had heard of it uh, back when it was airing because I think we were still getting TV Guide back in those days. Oh. Uh, so I, I would see like pictures of it and things like that. Like, oh yeah, that, that's really the L word. Um, and I think, I, think I, I knew it in the context of what Pam Greer did after Jackie Brown. Right. Uh, it was like, oh, like looking up like, oh, oh, what did Pam Greer do after you given that amazing like career best performance in Jackie Brown? Oh, she did the show The L Word for five years. Um, I'm glad she got a paycheck. Uh, wow. Was, Oof. I, very I, down. I, it sounds like you're very down on The L Word there. No, I, I, I had no, but I had no idea like what it was. I think I vaguely knew that it was uh, lesbian-centered, but I didn't know anything specifically about it besides that. So uh, it was interesting to watch the third season finale with no other context. <laughs> <laughs> It is something we occasionally have to do on this podcast where we delve into a show with very little context. I will say that this show did a fairly good job, I think, of of maintaining the plot lines enough for us to know, you know, generally who the characters were, what the relationships were. Um, uh, in this particular episode, Je- uh, Jennifer Beale's character, uh, Bette Porter, she's trying to get uh, custody over her child um and she actually she's trying to get soul custody but then she goes to this wedding and then reconnects with um with the person she had the child with um and and they uh have they actually actually makes her rethink whether she wants to seek out soul custody and then it becomes a real um unfortunate situation i would say uh but there's lots of plot lines on display here wouldn't you say brendan there there are many and honestly i very much struggled to, to figure out who, who was who because there are so often okay there was Jennifer Beals there was Pam Greer there was the Shane who mm-hmm. seemed like to be the, who seemed to be like the main character of the show at least of this episode she was one of the people a, getting married in this episode yes so I so and she had kind of a really distinctive look so I couldn't figure out but then there's a lot of characters where they just like fall them into rooms and they like make out or hash it down like who who are these people what, well, why why is this happening um and then Eric Roberts is in that is in there, so that's yeah, it's a little hard to follow. All right, well, let's turn this over to Liam. Liam, did you find it hard to follow? And had you seen any episodes of this show previously? I had never watched it. Um, I I do remember it, it was around the same time as Queer as Folk. 
I did watch a little bit of Queer as Folk, but I never really gave it um, probably the chance it deserved. And I remember what I remembered about the L word was such a mixed response in, mm. in that I had friends who thought it was like essential viewing, like it was like the most important show for them, like in their lives. And then other people who thought it was terrible, like just hated it. So um, <clears throat> I, I, I guess I didn't know what to expect. I actually didn't find it. I didn't find it too confusing only in the sense of I wasn't invested. So I figured like anything I needed to know, I'd find out like, okay, so this woman is into this other woman and clearly it's, it's something she hasn't come to terms with. Mm -hmm. Like I could figure that much out. Sure. And then the custody stuff uh, and then Shane going to her parents and that uh, her, her uh, fiance's name was Carmen. Is that right? I believe so. Yes. Yeah, that Carmen had issues with her family. Like all these things sort of sort of played out. The only one that I could have used more context for, and and, and I think we should get into this because I think it's a bigger issue. Sure, is is the Max storyline? Right. And uh, uh, yeah. as presented, it would if this was like let's say the L word had not existed, and this episode of a show came out now, people would be upset. And I think maybe with more context the max character maybe makes sense but just being thrown into that storyline i was like "Ooh, this is not good this is very bad well, and, and well let, let's sorry really we, we should really stop there and elaborate briefly that max is a trans man in this uh this episode of this and on the show generally yes and the portrayal tends is is very much um that max is not just trying to find out who max is but is sort of obsessed with all of these like all American white dudes. And there's this, the way that the characters handled is sort of like, and again, this is because we're watching one episode. So maybe there's lots of nuance and context otherwise, but in the scenario, it's very much like Max sucks. Like no one respects what Max is going through, even the way it's written. The audience, I feel like is encouraged to be like Max, ugh. You know, like it's not it just doesn't seem very sensitive in the way it's handled in this episode. And my thought is, well, it, it you know, either it's just a show that doesn't really care about this issue at the time. And it's just not something that they took on. Or there's so many other plot lines that when they wrote Max into this episode, they didn't bother to make Max a human being. But if you watch the show, maybe other episodes sort of filled that character out more. Right, and you right, kind right. Of cared about who they were. I'll be honest with you, Liam. I, that, I didn't. I didn't have those same issues that you had, uh, mostly because I feel like uh, Max's partner on the show is actually shown to be very kind of vapid, and uh, her criticisms of Max end up being he, he in one of the climactic scenes sort of throws it back in her face, where uh, they're basically uh, her and this French Canadian reporter or something, or, or a newspaper or a magazine columnist, I should say, uh, they're basically accusing him. Of trying to pass, and that people, when when he walks into a room, they'll th- that he'll never be able to kind of fit in with this group because uh, once they look at him a little closer, you know that they'll it'll be uh, clearer uh, that he is trans. Uh, and Max actually kind of throws it back in their face and be like, "This is who I am. I am comfortable with this, and this is you know this is how I'm going to live my life." I actually thought that was supposed to be kind of reaffirming um, how comfortable Max was in his skin. I don't think that plays well with the dinner scene. The dinner scene was like kind of caricaturing Max a little bit. That's fair enough. And and when they're talking about marriage, you know, Max is the one who's sort of like, oh, I like that it's traditional. Like, I just feel like uh, the the way 
um, the way that Max is written is not, I think, um, very helpful. It's just, it just, I, I, and again, I'm just basing this off of friends of mine right, of who course. are trans and how they think of this. And so like, um, just in the way that they describe not wanting to be portrayed is how Max came across to me. But again, this is one episode of a show. So right. it's very possible that like, if I had watched all three seasons, I'd be like, no, Max is great. Like they've really gotten into this issue. It felt a little bit more like they didn't know what to do with Max, at least in this episode. And you know, that kind of bones me out. It's, it's, you know, the, the, within the narrative of the show, Max is an outsider, to the story of most of the other characters. So I want like extra respect and extra like, right. you know, let's acknowledge the nuance of this situation. There's so little this- trans rep- representation on TV as it is, even now, which is almost probably about a decade later, that right, you, you exactly. want it to be done well if it, they're going to do it, right? Right, right, right. And so that's that was sort of my thought about that that aspect of it. it was like, whew, that that didn't seem to be to be too great. But the rest of the storylines, I you know, I don't know anything about these characters, but for me there was enough context in the episode that I was like, Okay, I kinda get what's going on here. Like it, it's all very I guess because it's a season finale, it everything has to ramp up towards yeah, some sort right. of climax <laughs> in a ridiculous way. But it, it still worked. It was predictable, but it kinda worked in a way. Brendan, I'm not going to throw that particular topic back at you, but I will um, point out to you that, look, we're a smart podcast. We don't just talk about stupid shit. We talk about the issues here on Eric Roberts is the fucking man. And the issue I want to talk to you about, Brendan, is something you've already brought up. The actress Pam Greer, who I imagine anyone listening to this is familiar with, one of my favorite actresses, uh, Foxy Brown herself. She does appear on this episode uh, and she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. What did you feel about that storyline, Brendan? Can you elaborate a little bit on actually what that what that was about? Well, for start, she has maybe three lines in this episode. Yeah, she has a very very small appearance in this episode. But my my takeaway, my, one thing that they do a, a joke where when she reveals that she's pregnant to Jennifer Beals, where she brings her into this bathroom, this restaurant, and she has like a home pregnancy test, and Jennifer Beals like, "Well, are you sure those are faulty?" And then the camera like pans down <laughs> to show up. Like a pile of like a hundred home pregnancy tests, all shown positive on the on the bathroom sink, and all I could think, look at that, is like, there's piss on all those. <laughs> so she pissed on like a hundred different tests, and then I don't know, put them in a bag, brought them to this restaurant where Jennifer Beals is, and then just like dumped them on the sink. I think you're supposed to think she took them all in the restaurant. But, I yeah. was more so how like, how was she in the bathroom for if, if she was doing that? Oh yeah, no, it the whole thing is like a fucking full house slash, <laughs> you know, it's a TGIF joke that I was like, why is that in this show at all? And then she, she and then the, the guy that got her pregnant is is a this nerdy dude who has no business being next to a guy like Pam Greer, um, <laughs> and which and when she tells him she's pregnant, his immediate response is. I'll pay for the abortion, which again we keep saying this like context. Uh, you know what? I'm going to disagree. I'm just going to go ahead and disagree with you a little bit okay. there, Brendan, because I actually think that they're trying to present that character, who you're right is very boring, very bland, mm-hmm. uh, in a somewhat three dimensional way. His first thing he says is, "Whatever you choose to do, I'm going to support. If you want to get an abortion." I will pay for it and I will make sure that, you know, I'm going to be there the whole time. If you want to keep it, I'm going to do all I can. You know, he, I don't think that he's trying to push. Look, look, in real life, fucking assholes push this shit on people all the time. But Mm -hmm. like the first thing he says is, 
This is 100% your decision. And Pam Greer even says to him, you're damn right this is my decision. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, well, I, don't, I don't think I, it's, you know, even though he, he mentions abortion, uh, you know, he, basically that's just one of the options that are, I think he says are available. Well, I mean, his, I, I thought so, his very first response was that he hugged her and she got mad at him. Yeah, well, I mean, she's in a very emotional place. Not that women but have to be that, emotional that all sort the time. Of, but that sort of indicates that he, at first, is excited. Yes. And then he's tempering that excitement because she's clearly more like, this is not fucking okay. Right. And we're led to believe that she's old. I don't think she's supposed to be playing younger. I think yeah. she's she's playing really old at this point hence the confusion yeah because jennifer beals well, even mentions that you know that she's menopausal which makes this pregnancy aspect of it confusing if not impossible in reality uh, who the fuck are we to be talking about the l word and its representation we're trying to do it as three somewhat progressive white males but the fact is we don't know not only do we not know the context of the show that we're watching because this is literally the last episode of a third season of like a seven season long program uh but you know it's it's also a, a show that in some ways even though it's it's meant to be for a wide audience it's it it is meant to be representation for a group that doesn't get a lot of representation and we really should have represent representative of that group here on this program yeah i think that um, someone really fucked up when it came to putting this together <laughs> no but i understand that uh I, I mean, I think we can talk about sort of like our experience of watching it. And I think we can definitely talk about Eric Roberts, who shows up and is so Eric Roberts that it's like, it, it. you know, sometimes when Eric Roberts is in something, it's just a job. This, the way Eric Roberts plays his character, it feels more like a cameo. Yeah. It feels like if there was a studio audience and he showed up and he started being this character, they'd be like, oh, here he is. Eric Roberts is here. Woo. So Let- just for just for context, I, I actually I did Google this. The character, as you said, it's like it's it's a uh, these two women are getting married. One of them is this woman named Shane, who I guess in look in reading about the show, she was kind of like this Lothario, you know, a different partner every night kind of kind of character. And Eric Roberts is playing her long lost father that she's finally tracked down like the day before she gets married, which is a lot to do in a week. Yeah, like. Yeah. Like I, I either get married or meet your long lost father. Trying to do both, trying to bang those both out in a, in a weekend is a bit much. Um, but that that's who, he he is the long lost father. That apparently was once a wild man, but claims to have settled down with a wife and child. And as soon as as soon as he appears, and he you know the first thing he does is he invites her home to dinner to meet his ten year old son and his new wife. And you cannot watch this without thinking, okay, when are we going to find out how he's a piece of shit? Right? This movie will re- – uh, this movie, sorry. This TV show, before the end of this episode, will reveal how he's a piece of shit. And, of course, the hints at his womanizing past uh, are, was, were definitely a clue that Gabriel McCutcheon, played by Eric Roberts, has continued his womanizing ways, which was discovered by Shane. He couldn't keep it in his pants even for the, I guess, two days that it takes for them to be in Whistler for her to get married. And uh, since she uh, see, she sees him try to pick up a woman and he's very kind of upfront and flagrant about it, uh, she decides not to get married, which is the kind of the big – she does it in kind of a shitty way. Liam, do you think it's kind of shitty how she uh, how she leaves her bride at the altar? Yeah, I think it's it actually is very like there's so many better ways to handle that. I mean, I get the idea that like she just couldn't face her and she feels like such a disappointment and whatever. But I I think also like I think things will turn around a little bit on the show because I think um, 
part of the issue here is not just so she's she sees him with this other woman so he she knows this thing about him but the the feeling i had when he first showed up wasn't about his cheating it was about money like i thought in any moment he was going to hit her up for money and then it turns out he does steal money he steals ten thousand dollars and runs off with the woman he meets i think the money is the real issue here and I think that's going to continue because he shows up in more episodes, right? Like this is not the end of his sort of run on the show. Right. And in fact, he's not on the next episode. He, I think he shows up later in the next season. Uh, but, but I bet that theme of the 10,000 is the, is the issue at yeah. hand here. And honestly, when he shows up, like, yes, like, oh, you know, I used to be a real player, whatever. But like, remember, they've read this article about how successful she is. And then during the show, at one point, this woman who really just needs to get her shit together is like, <laughs> I mean, the other thing that's weird about the show is like that there's just one of these, this group there, all these women are friends. They're like, they're like a crew, like a lesbian crew. And one of them just happens to be, I guess an heiress and just yeah. buys everything. and spends money like crazy, which well, we I, just I think, I think roll the, with. Like, that's just like normal. And then aren't they all supposed to be wealthy? I think well, that's I, what I, I, it's I, not I, clear. I, I, because Shane Shane like owns her own like store. Yeah, but it's a, like a it's like a she's like a hairdresser who owns a skateboarding store. But, but the moment where she reveals apparently she's, apparently she's famous because when when she meets Eric Roberts' uh, son, who he so Eric Roberts' daughter's named Shane, and then he abandoned her, and then had a son who he named Shay. Yes, which which seems like a really dick move mm-hmm. to have a second child decades later and give them basically the same name as the first kid you abandoned. Yeah, he even says during that scene that he actually was uh, responsible for naming Shane as well. Yeah. So, but when but when when they bring up that he, that she has a store, the the kid is like, "Wait, you own a store? You own that store?" So I thought she was supposed to be like like a really like a well known business person like in this area, like almost like a celebrity skate type deal like a like a tony hawk kind of figure but yeah, i well, don't get the feeling that she has money like because the heiress lady's paying for this whole trip like right. all yeah. of Carmen's family getting the ski thing whatever and that's when I, my money my money feeling my feeling that the real issue here was money was confirmed because you get this creepy scene with eric roberts where he's like all right like he like he literally gets a money boner when he realizes <laughs> that this woman has paid for this whole this whole wedding and Whistler is a gift where she's paid for everyone. That's like to me, that's like when I was like, OK, what's going on here? Like, yes, there's other things here, but the money is why he's here. Right. Which is, again, gets confirmed in the final scene where we discover that uh, the heiress gave him ten thousand dollars to buy a wedding gift. He ran off with it with a woman who's not his wife. Then the heiress she gets cut off by, I guess, her mother, a uh, wealthy benefactor mother. Um, so, uh, so that's how things turn out at the end of season three of The L Word. Also, Jennifer Beale still steals a baby. She does steal a baby. That's right, which, which seems like a really bad move, uh, considering that it looked like she probably could have gotten sole custody fairly easily. Uh, and, but when you steal someone's baby, that probably complicates things. Now, Liam, I'm sure you've been thinking about this a lot lately. <laughs> Um, so <laughs> not saying anything right now. Oh, that's good. In the episode of the L word, the end of season three, the season finale, uh, episode number 12, left hand of the goddess. I'm going to go over to, to our guest first. Brendan is Eric Roberts, the fucking man in this episode. I think this episode works very hard to stress that he is in fact the man, uh, that he can apparently like, every scene with him 
is basically just women, including his daughter, talking about how he's just so incredibly attractive to women that he just walk into a bar. And I mean, the woman that he runs off with at the end, he doesn't even know her name. Like when he gets caught at the bar by his daughter, she's like, who's this? And he's like, what's your name, babe? Yeah. And, she, and it's like, what? That's, that's not how people. Ladies talk. love cool <laughs> Eric. Everyone knows it. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly what stands out for being the man, but he can apparently just walk into a room and just own the room. So, yeah, I think, I think he's the fucking man in this. Eric Roberts owns the room. Over to you, Liam. Is Eric Roberts the fucking man in the L word? I got to go with yes. This is like uh, one of his one of his sort of performances that I really like, this uh, nefarious kind <laughs> of smooth-talking guy. You know, he kind of plays up a little bit that he's like fatherly towards Shane, but you know he's working an angle the whole time. Like this is this is sort of and and again, it's not new territory for him, but it, it's a place where I like to see see our man is is this kind of uh, shady dude. I'm gonna say Liam that the L word stands for legend, meaning the legendary yeah. Eric Roberts. Who, of course, is the fucking man in the the season three finale of the L word. Uh, I feel like. Anyone who's gauging the quality of the show by our discussion should uh, knock that shit off because we obviously <laughs> don't know what we're talking about. But one thing we do know what we're talking about with is Eric Roberts, and he is uh, legendary on the L word. We will, of course, return to the subject of Gabriel McCutcheon on a future episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. But for now, we need to take a break because when we return, we're going to talk about a movie, but not just any movie. We're going to talk about 2002's Wrong number. We'll be right back after this. results in murder in the tumultuous world of internet stocks it's 2002's wrong number directed by richard middleton uh this is actually his only directorial work but he was an executive producer of the artist which means that the director of wrong number probably has an academy award on his shelf he also helped produce uh, lucky mckee's may uh and that weird hitchcock movie from a few years ago which had anthony hopkins in makeup so he looked nothing like alfred hitchcock uh, and as well as the documentary Soaked in Bleach, which he also helped write. Uh, I'm sure some of you have opinions on that particular film as well. This features Eric Roberts as Josh Gray, a, a multi-millionaire uh, who has a, a semi-estranged wife, uh, Dana DeMott, played by Bridget Baco or Baco. Uh, and his partner is Michael Bartlett, a complete asshole, played by David Lipper. And this movie kind of plays out like uh, like Rashomon, uh, not plot-wise, but certainly that kind of concept, where we see the events of Eric Roberts' murder 
from the perspective of two different people, and we have to piece together what the reality is. And let me tell you, folks, the reality is way dumber than you could ever imagine. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. Once the twists happen in the final 15 minutes, you will either be left thinking, the people who made this are genius, or you'll be thinking, this is the stupidest goddamn shit I've seen. Well, probably in the last couple of days, because a lot of stupid shit is going on out there. Uh, Eric Roberts does not have a large role in this. However, he does provide a voiceover from beyond the grave. Though I have to admit that there were points throughout this movie where I actually suspected that his character was still alive. Which Yes! Especially because they wouldn't show his face, uh, the, the corpse that they pull out of the water. Uh, we never get to see it, so I left the possibility open. I think that actually the movie plays with that a little bit, particularly... Uh, in regards to a dream sequence, which makes no fucking sense if you think about it. <laughs> but I want to get your thoughts on Wrong Call. Uh, I want to start with you, Liam. What did you think of this movie? It's not very good. All right, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it's uh, the the you know, it's one of these films that is trying to create a feeling of. Um, suspense by having a character who you just can't trust at all right and sometimes movies do that well when you have like an unreliable narrator or whatever but um we don't have an unreliable narrator because eric roberts is the narrator from beyond the grave and why would a ghost lie yeah sure and 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 but I mean, he doesn't really give us enough information for us to like, you know, think of him one way or the other in that sense. But uh, something that really kind of bums me out is that uh, the his uh, the the his wife, the woman who plays his wife, she is you know not very trustworthy. But like the way they write her character, she just sort of just pretends the whole time. And the the reason, uh, in other words, it's like she's clearly something's not right about her, but they never play that up enough so that in the end, when she's the villain, it makes any sense. It just feels cheap. It just feels like, okay, remember how we said all these things? It just wasn't true. Oh, we totally tricked you, audience. How's that feel, you idiots? And I just was like, this isn't actually good. It's not well written. It doesn't make sense. Like, it really bummed me out. It uh, The movie is structured in kind of an odd way. Um, usually with these kind of Rashomon-inspired tales, it's basically the entire movie is, you know, you see one perspective and then you see another perspective. Usually there's a third perspective as well. But in this case, it comes together for, uh, through the investigation of two police officers, a younger one and an older one who's only one week away from retirement. Uh, and the movie starts with Eric Roberts taking a swan dive after being shot, uh, falls to his death. He does voiceover. We get the perspective of... Um, of the wife, we get the perspective of the partner. We really don't trust either of them because neither of them are very uh, trustworthy seeming people. And then the cops kind of have to work out what the deal is before we get to the uh, twist ending. But we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Brendan, what did you think of Wrong Call? Did you uh, have as many issues with it as Liam did? I did, but I, I found it almost delightful in how incompetent it was sure. a lot of times. And we were talking about this a little before we started recording, but it's like the movie, if you if you know how mysteries and thrillers work, when you start watching a new one, your brain will kind of automatically start picking up the pieces and filling in uh, where you assume it's going to go. But when a movie's made by people who don't know what they're doing, you end up with weird stuff where the structure's totally off and the reveals are totally off. And 
and it becomes almost impossible to predict. And, like Liam brought up, uh, and like you brought up, Doug, um, the, the, when, when you do a mystery, they keep coming back to this idea in the investigation that they cannot confirm that the corpse that they're investigating is Eric Roberts. They assume it is, but they cannot confirm it for the, like, the entire duration of the film. Now, normally when you do that in a mystery movie, it's because there's going to be a reveal that the corpse is not who you think it is. Right. It's going to turn out. It's going to turn out the guy. It's going to turn out the guy you thought is dead is still alive. So, I kept waiting for Eric Roberts to, to pop back up again, and I kept waiting for them to, to for and then like to walk through a door and be sitting there to reveal like his evil plan. Or I kept waiting for one of the characters like to pull their mask off and reveal that they were Eric Roberts the whole time. <laughs> that would have been great. Um, <laughs> But just, but just that that kind of thing. And at a certain point, I was like, oh, no, he's really dead. Like, they're, they're not paying this off. And I assume that now I just kind of assume that Eric Roberts refused to to play his own corpse. And he just didn't want to land a gurney for a day or whatever it was. Um, and that's why you never shot, saw his face. But he's, and it's the same thing with, with, the, with you know, the Rashomon flashbacks. Because with Rashomon, the whole point is that you get one person's perspective on it. And you get another person's perspective on the same scenes. But they only do that once, and that because they show the gun, the scene where they go to a shooting range, where and according to the partner, who I kept thinking of as not Vince Vaughn, because he just had that vibe, but <laughs> crappy. Um, in his version, he's a bad shot, but the wife is a good shot. In her version, she's a bad shot, and he's a good shot. But then all the other scenes are pretty much completely different. So it's not like there's like it's not like showing like alternate versions of it. But then they stopped doing Rashomon flashbacks like midway through, and also in her flashbacks, she's they, they they do a thing where they show her perspective. But then there's scenes that she was not there for, right. so they like they ADR lines of her saying, "But that's what I assume happened." Right, which right. Doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, it really doesn't. <laughs> and also, I will say that I I found that part irritating because when they first go through that that portion of the story where she's telling what she uh, thought happened. I didn't realize that the structure of this movie was going to be like a Rashomon thing. Yes. I didn't think we we're going to see it from someone else's perspective. So I was just accepting what she was saying movie. as the truth. Cause why would I have thought yes. otherwise? Yeah. So what they kicked in with, with his version, like, Oh, this is a Rashomon. So I thought like, okay, so this is a Rashomon movie. But then like, after he got done talking, it stopped being a Rashomon. Yeah. Movie. It was just, it was like, so, so what are they doing here? What is this movie? It was like a short movie that that then they realized, oh wait, we have like another forty five minutes we need to fill out as a police procedural where it has a, an old crusty cop and his young partner, and they're you know they're they're always arguing and it's sort of like Law and Order except complete shit and in Canada, uh, Liam. On sitcoms, yes. in, on sitcoms back in the '90s, they often would have a Rashomon style episode where events are shown from various perspectives. Do you have any uh, memories of any shows which tried to do that? Oh, like people who did, you know, I don't actually, uh, I know it's a trick that gets used a lot often with, without people knowing that it's from Rashomon, right. but, um, I don't have any very specific examples. <laughs> There's that joke on the Simpsons where they talk about Homer seeing, uh, he goes, you remember you saw that in Rashomon? And he's like, that's not the way I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> there was an episode of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which, uh, which, uh, had a Rashomon-esque plot. And of course, an episode of Star Trek, The Next Generation, where Riker is accused of murder and it ends up uh, being shown from various perspectives until we get to the truth. Damn it. 
Uh, Brendan, I know that you're a young person, probably uh, probably don't enjoy television, but do you have any memories of, say, other films or other projects which kind of use this as a, a, a device for its drama? Well, as a being young person, every Disney cartoon that I remember as a kid, like Recess or uh, Pepper Ann, they all had a Rashomon episode where like, the kids were in trouble and they all blamed each other and then each person told like, a different version of how it happened. Uh, in terms of movies, isn't that like a Travolta movie that does that? Basic, is that what it's called? I think Basic does it. I think Courage Under Fire sort of does it. Courage Under uh, Fire definitely does it. Um, yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty. I think Vantage Point might do it as well. Now that yeah. I think about yeah. it, uh, so yeah, a very common way to structure a film, but very unique in how they do it here because of the right. way that they kind of just abandon it about about well, I, halfway I, through. I do I do think it's mostly a TV trope at this point. I do think it's like every drama does their rational episode, and every comedy does their rational episode. With movies, you can't really do it because everyone's like, "Why are you just ripping off Rashomon?" You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. But, as as opposed to like, you know if it, if a TV show does it for 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 one episode, I mean Community did did a Rashomon episode. That's but they right. Also, it was also like a time fractured. It was a weird. It was Community. It was weird. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about the performances in Wrong Call. Uh, not Eric Roberts yet, uh, but there's really there's really only four other performances of note, not counting that homeless guy. <laughs> uh, the corner. Yeah, in the corner. That's right. He's actually. Man, I'll tell you, there was a time in the 90s where you couldn't put a corner in a, a movie or TV show without him eating something while he's talking about something disgusting. But we have really our two co-leads with Eric Roberts, his partner and his wife. Uh, and then we have the two cops, Anton Bijou and Scott Stevenson, who's the younger one. Uh, I felt that David Lipper, who played Michael Bartlett, because he's playing so evil, like he's playing a bad guy to the point where there's no sympathy for him, even when he's getting kind of screwed over later in the movie, that uh, that I that I didn't have much respect for his performance, even though a lot of that is in the character he was playing. But Liam, was there any performances that stuck out to you? Well, you know, he he felt for me at least, he felt very kind of like average. Like he he wouldn't necessarily ruin a movie, but. Um, it, it, I don't know. It, it had a little bit of like a community theater aspect to it, or or like a, a um, extra on a TV show sort of thing. But the wife, I did not enjoy her performance at all. <laughs> uh, she felt kind of like a dead zone to me, which maybe maybe uh, maybe that helped them with the whole like, what is the wife doing? Because she doesn't really emote a lot in the film or and the few times she does i guess she's like fooling someone so it, it kind of makes sense but I, I don't know i i didn't really like her and then um what is the name of the older cop character again bijou bijou sure, yeah, sure i mean sure, you sure, should sure, have sure. this on your screen right now since i did send you the notes yeah i nice well i wasn't there yet so now i just brought it up all right here <laughs> <laughs> um Although, why can't I... F I'm looking at the thing. Anton oh, that's Bijou. the name of the thing. I was asking the name of the actor, Barry Blake. Barry Blake. Who, right. By the way, he's a, he's a well-known Canadian actor. This film was made in, in Montreal, and most of the supporting actors are Canadian. He has a very, very Canadian voice and accent, as a lot of these actors do in this movie. You I actually... I, I don't know if his performance was necessarily particularly great, but I just found him charming as the old guy. Sure. Which 
made the ending that much more weird in a way. But I just kind of liked him. He's just always criticizing his partner, often for like no reason. Like some of it, it's like clear because his partner's an idiot. But other times, he's just being <laughs> mean. And you're just like, just be mean. It's fine. Like this is a great working relationship. So I, I don't know. I I liked all that stuff. But Speaking honestly, of, sorry, just to interrupt, just quickly, isn't it weird that like they elaborate a little bit on the the partner, the younger guy who ends up having an inappropriate relationship with um, with Eric Roberts' wife later in the movie, and in one odd scene where he is coming on to her at a time when he really should not be, he also shows himself to be homophobic and a real asshole. Yeah. It's a strange sequence because it doesn't really play into anything that comes later. Yeah, I don't. I there's a going, there's. A, I think they're going for like a like a like a like a like an old school like tr- like you saw you saw that line like old noir movies with like the where the, where the, the cop was just kind of an asshole. Sure. Uh, and I think they're going for that, but, the, but do you think yeah, we're supposed the, to like him as a character, the younger cop? No, I think I, I I think they're trying to do like an like I think this is meant to be like a throwback to kind of like old Hitchcocky era noir movies. Oh, certainly. Which is why. But and so I think that that archetype of the kind of the hot headed young cop who who's in over his head, who you know falls in love with a mysterious dame who may, who might be a killer. Uh, this is all that's very classic noir trope, and is uh, also homophobic. <laughs> But, 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 but the problem is, again, these people don't know what they're doing, yeah. so the way they express it is, hey, if he's homophobic, uh, that gets the point across. I, I just worry that movie, maybe the movie didn't even think that through enough. It's like That's just another element oh, to his oh, character. No, I, I, I don't think they did at all. I think there's like, you know, how do we show this guy's an asshole? Have him say something really nasty homophobic yeah. real quick. But I think, I think he's supposed to be a charming asshole, and Kane Picoy, who plays him... Maybe a good actor. Uh, charming asshole is not in the repertoire. That, that's a tough one to hit. Liam, sorry for interrupting you. I wanted you to be able to finish your thought that you had uh, just a moment ago. Oh, I don't remember what it was. <laughs> but I will say that. Um, so the actress's name is, uh, is that Bridget Baco? Baco? Let's go with yeah. Baco. Baco, yeah. So Bridget Baco. I mean, I think what you're describing about the about his character is also true of her. Um, you know, she's the femme fatale yeah, here. Absolutely. She she screws everybody over with the help of daddy, and uh she's gonna <laughs> she's gonna escape with her with her lady friend. And to be that character, you gotta be really charming. Like there's gotta be some appeal there. And in fact, um if if she had been the one doing the voiceover rather than Eric Roberts, um they could have maybe given us some I don't know, texture or giving us something there to latch on to. Um, but instead, the the only character who really has any charisma outside of uh, the gentleman without a home is Eric Roberts, and he's dead. He's like, dead. I, I, it's, it's, we're getting more, we're getting more uh, flavor from him as the dead guy telling us the story <laughs> than we are from any of the live characters for the most part. And, 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 and that makes her eventual victory kind of kind of hollow like it, it makes the whole movie seem weird and, and so that at the end when his i think you're supposed to think when his character's like oh, i wasn't that bad you know like i wasn't yeah. such a bad guy you're supposed to think like no you were but instead i'm like you weren't eric yeah Roberts. I mean, you were like sure. literally better than anybody in the episode <laughs> yeah. it just happens to be that you live in a world where everybody is terrible well they also do it again because because the last 10 minutes of this movie is just twist after twist after twist so at the, at the very end, when uh, the wife is 
meeting up with her girlfriend, which is how you know she's evil because she's a lesbian. Uh, they they do this thing where she's trying to reassure her girlfriend, like, no, 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 we're not evil. It's not like we killed him. And I thought, did she not kill him? Is that <laughs> is this like, is it twisting us out of the twist that she was guilty? I'm so confused right now. And it's like, oh no, she did kill him. But but yeah, it's like it's like, are we supposed to be psyched that she killed him? I don't know. I no, I don't think so. I think we're supposed to because they they throw in one more twist at the end because uh, we do get a few flashbacks where it sort of explains how she did it or, or the context of how she did it. But there's always someone else that she's talking to, and it's then revealed that the person she was talking to was her father, who also happened to be the lead detective on the case, Anton Bijou. Yeah. Um, uh, and that <laughs> final twist might be about three twists too far. <laughs> Uh, and made me audibly groan at the screen when I saw it. I, I laughed so hard because <laughs> the whole time they were doing that flashback thing of like, of like she's talking. About, I'm like, who the hell else is in this movie that she could be talking? Because again, it's only four people in it. From there's like one or two other guys. I thought it was going to be the Australian uh, nerd programmer guy. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. So when it was her dad, I was like, oh my god, that's amazing. And how stupid. <laughs> Liam, what did you think of the twist? I mean, the reason it bummed, again, it wouldn't have bummed me out at all. I actually would have thought it was awesome if her character was uh, at all endearing in any sense of the word. But instead, what it did is it take one of the side characters who I thought, he seems all right. And then be like, paint him with the brush of how gross she is. And then I'm like, ah, oh, he sucks too. Like, <laughs> it, it just sort of, it, it I don't know. It, it again, I'm only left with Eric Roberts' ghost as the one that I'm rooting <laughs> for in the movie, and so much so that you know, at the very, very end, they he's giving us our last little voiceover, and the camera's tracking towards his urn, and there's discussion of karma, and then like, there's nothing there. You know what I mean? Like, there's. I almost wanted one final twist to be like, and then, you know, there's this thing. And, and of course, that's not there because you just can't twist. Like They've already made a pretzel at this point. Yeah. What else could they possibly do? They should have hinted that was... he was like reincarnated as a fly as it just follows her around. And in the sequel, he could be a fly trying to kill her. Which, by the way, is a is a, the plot summary of a, uh Indian movie from a couple years ago that is fucking great. And it's on Netflix. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I, but I'm just I'm just saying that like that that's what I'm left with is that the only other I mean, I, I am a little concerned with the death of our friend who lived on the street. But other than that, the only characters who I felt at all were interesting to be on the screen were old man cop and Eric Roberts. How did they get access to that diner? <laughs> well, <laughs> Doug, uh, Doug, you know this. You live in Canada. No one locks their doors. No, no need to lock your doors. That's exactly right. No. Uh, let's briefly talk about Eric Roberts' performance in this. Yeah, it's a very kind of odd performance because they try to keep him sort of morally suspect. He is a womanizer. However, we also he also suspects that his wife is cheating on him, and he's right with his partner. Uh, and they're all kind of despicable people. I... He, I will say that of the despicable people in this movie, Eric Roberts has a charm about him uh, and, he, and kind of a level-headedness that makes him far and above the most um, sympathetic character, like you were saying earlier, Liam, which makes some of the voiceover where you're supposed to think, oh, maybe he's not so great. Yeah, it's, it, it's really hard not to kind of, of choke on that a bit and be like, yeah, he's really the only one that kind of deserved to live here. And of course, he ends up dead. What did you think of his performance here, uh, Brandon? Just call me Brandon. Brendan. Okay, I was gonna say, dude. Um, 
I thought he was actually really charming, and I, yeah. I was a bit surprised because he's he's really not. I see. I thought we might be in trouble when he came up when his credits was as and Eric Roberts. When right. I saw like, oh, he's got this movie for like five minutes, <laughs> and he's probably going to be like phoning it, and he might literally been phoning it in with the voiceover. Um, but no, but he he's really charming, and he I, I think he was only filmed it for like two or three days, but he's commit. You know, he's given performance. He, he's turned the turned the charisma up. Um, like Liam said, it, it kind of throws the entire movie out of balance because he leaves it, and it's like, why did the interesting guy leave? Why, why, why did the movie star exit so we could watch Bridget Bacco and David Lipper try and be, <laughs> you know, be be these characters? Like, wh- wh- why would the movie star exit so early? Um, but I mean, and listen, Eric Roberts, he's the man. He's the fucking man. He can't be lazy when when it when it suits him, uh, and he's not here. He's he's doing his job and being he's do, doing what they paid him to do. Yeah. Um. So I was that, that's I think that's part of why I was so hoping that there'd be that twist that he wasn't the corpse they were pulling right. out because I'm like, can can the cool interesting guy who's maybe a little bit nuanced come back and be a part of this movie? No, we're st- we're sticking with the horrible people played by horrible actors. Okay, well that's fine. That's fine too. <laughs> <laughs> Liam, you've talked about Eric Roberts' performance a little bit here. Uh, do you think he acquits himself? Uh, reasonably well uh, in in what is a bit of a mess of a movie. Yeah, I think so. I think that it would have been better if um, he had played this sort of scumbag he is in the L Word. Yeah. That if you if you switched Eric Roberts from this movie with Eric Roberts in the L Word, then maybe you know you could have gotten a little bit more of that vibe of like, okay, it's it's okay that Eric Roberts is dead. But instead, like, yeah, he he seems a little scummy, I guess. I mean, maybe they just needed more time. But like, even when they show like he, one of the girls he was flirting with at the club ends up back at his office the night that his wife kills him. It doesn't matter. Like by that point, I'm just kind of like, I don't like that lady anyway. Like there's just not enough there for for that. So I mean, his performance is good. Um, I, he definitely shows up. But I wish, I wish that they had had the foresight to have him push it more or to give him more to be creepy about. Because what we got was like, you know, I I think that the character he's playing in this movie is more like um. The second in command in a criminal organization that you feel bad for when he dies because you kind of liked him, you know, mm-hmm. and it's sort of sh- sh- that's that's who this character is. It's the guy who when he dies, you think whoever killed him is like the real villain, you know, like he wasn't great, but he wasn't that bad. Like that's what he's doing and it doesn't work for the movie. Well, yeah, either make him way worse or, or make him way better and really play up like the right. the, right. the, 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 the that's, a, that's a very noir thing is like. The nice people die, and and the the craven, greedy people skate off with the money. It's a it's kind of a pretty nihilistic genre, and they don't really commit to either of that. He just seems like a, a kind of a a scummy but cool dude who deserves some kind of punishment, but not to be murdered and then dumped off a boat for three days and, and be found three days later. I mean, just think about how unsatisfying it would be to see a classic film noir where the detective on the case that you've been following around trying to break it, we find out at the end that he's been working with the femme fatale the whole time and they just walk off into the sunset. Actually, now that I'm saying that, that actually sounds like it would be awesome. I, could, not- actually, I, think I could actually name a movie that has that ending. I, only, I shouldn't spoil it here, but... Hey, we only uh, spoil movie- Eric Roberts' movies on this show. Right, exactly. <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's a movie that is dangerously close to exactly what you're describing. Is Eric Roberts the fucking man in 2002's Wrong Call? Liam? Yes. Yes, that's a very, a very secure in itself answer. Our guest, Brendan, what do you think? 
I'm gonna say no because he gets he gets killed. He gets, he gets killed in a lot of movies we watch. Well, but, he, but but he he gets like jumped in this. Like he you know, he he gets killed twice, and both times he seems like the dumbest person in the world to be killed in the way he does. That in, in the first flashback he gets killed because his partner pulls a gun on him, and Eric Roberts talks him to putting the gun down, and then he turns his back on the guy to walk out of the room and get get shot, and then the, his actual death. Yeah, I just I just think he, I think he's a bit too much of a chump. To oh, fall by Brendan, man. Brendan. That's just your perspective. <laughs> <laughs> yes, in the, in the Rashmana is this podcast. My perspective is that he's kind of a chump in this movie. As per usual, I'm the tiebreaker. Uh, and I'm going to say that Eric Roberts is the fucking man in 2002's Wrong Call. You know what? I think overall I liked it a little bit more than the both of you. Um, I think maybe the fact that it has such a ludicrous ending actually pulled me into it a little bit. Um, And, you know, this was the early 2000s where every movie had a completely ridiculous twist at the very end. And I have to give it uh, some points for the fact that I did not see it coming. And simply because it doesn't make any goddamn sense isn't enough for me to talk at points. Delighted. I was delighted by this. I, it's a terrible film. I enjoy it thoroughly. If, if only I have an explanation of what, how not to do this kind of film. Uh, <laughs> but I, I had a bl- and again. I laughed so fucking hard when the camera like pan and, and, and it was not only was it BG, but then when it turned out it was he was her dad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Which they I did. Was, what they did set up earlier. <laughs> In a very ham-fisted way, but I did not. I, I had forgotten about it, and then it just suddenly hit me, and I'm like, oh, boy, fuck this movie. Because well, that, well, that bit when, when she said it, I was like, why did they do – it's like that joking kiss, kiss, bang, bang, like some guy like rattles off Expedition, Robert Downey Jr. like freezes the friend, like, okay, that was a bad scene. That was just got tossed off of Expedition. Why did they do that? And he actually, actually brought it back in. I, I I was watching it late at night, and I was I was very 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 happy when that happened. Um, so I would say I'm a fan of this movie, even though I keep forgetting what the, its name. 2002's is. wrong call. Eric Roberts is the fucking man, and I'm gonna I'm gonna cut you off there because we are finished the conversation, Brendan. Okay. Probably should have fit in some of those thoughts when we were actually talking about I'm sorry. it. Sorry, not when I finished talking about it. <laughs> we're gonna take our final break. When we return, we're gonna talk to Brendan. Uh, we're gonna plug a few things and say good night. Episode number 58 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man is in the bag. I want to give a massive thanks to our guest, Brendan Foley, who uh, subbed in at the last minute, managed to step up to the occasion, step up to the streets, as it were, uh, <laughs> watching 2002's Wrong Call and an episode of The L Word in a, in a very short time frame. Brendan, if people want to check out uh, your podcast or your other work, what's the best way for them to do so? All right. Well, I have a podcast, as we said, on, uh, on Cinepunks. Uh, called Black Sun Dispatches. It's uh, usually two two episodes a month. Uh, each one is a 
a, a horror slash dark fantasy story in a shared setting, uh, it makes more sense to listen to it. I promise. Uh, you can follow, so you can find that there. You can follow me personally on Twitter at the True Brendan F, uh, and you can follow the, that show on Twitter at Black Sun Show. Uh, I think they're fun, so I recommend you guys uh, seeking it out. Uh, and yeah, and I also write for uh, Synapse.co. That's C-I-N-A-P-S-E. .co, uh, which is an awesome website, uh, which is basically just a bunch of people who really, really love movies and TV shows, uh, just talking about them incessantly. Uh, so you can check out me and my stuff out there. We'll, of course, link those in the show notes as well. Liam, Cinepunks.com, what's up? Hey, wait, that's the, that's the same website that Brendan was just talking about. Oh, my gosh. Oh, you figured it out. Oh, you cracked the code. This whole thing was a trick. I tricked. <laughs> Is this the twist ending of our podcast today? <laughs> Leave my dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cinepunks.com. Check it out. Cinepunks.com. You can find Liam at Liam Rules, R U L Z, on Twitter as well. You can find me, of course, on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T I L L E. Why? And you can find out more about Eric Roberts and Eric Roberts is the man. First, you can follow Eric Roberts on Twitter at Eric Roberts, all one word. Then follow. Eric Roberts is the fucking man on Twitter, at E-R-I-T-F-M. If you want to check out our uh, older episodes as well as subscribe, you can go over to ericrobertsistheman.com. You can also do a search for Eric Roberts is the man on Facebook and join our Facebook group. Uh, You can, of course, uh, subscribe via iTunes. Why don't you leave us a review? We'd appreciate it very much. You can also check out my other podcast, No Budget Nightmares, about ultra low-budget movies and movie making over at nobudgetpodcast.com. But with all of that said... I think it's time to say goodnight to Eric Roberts once again. In just a couple of weeks, we will return with two more Eric Roberts classics. But for now, we shall say goodnight. Goodnight, everybody. Good night. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. If there's anything that you can do, Eric Roberts fucking can.